My name is Jen Cardiff. This is my husband, Charlie, and we've been attending Stone Creek since 2014. So probably almost seven years ago, we, um, Charlie really um, in, kind of inspired us as a family to start looking for a church again. And so we had kind of gone on and off and visited some churches around the area. And we live near Stone Creek and just decided to come one day and, um, and liked it and kept coming and came again and came again and then just became our home. One Sunday in this chair in this area right around here where we always sat, we had a baptism like a lot of baptism Sundays go. And uh, on this particular baptism Sunday though, something different happened. And that is uh, they asked for spontaneous baptism kind of something welled up in me and it was and I've told people this several times it was a it was a like a, a burning in my chest that I've not had before since and in that moment I just I kind of knew that I had a choice to make and that choice was to either do nothing which is what I had done up to that point or make the choice that this was for me and so when they called for people to come up I turned to Jen and I I told her that I have to go do this and uh Next thing you know, I was on stage getting baptized. <laughs> and I, I, you know, we talk about baptism as a place to mark a turning point in your life, to really an outward expression of an inward change. And that's absolutely what it was for me because from that moment on, like I knew I was, I was in it for Christ. Like this is what my life was about. And it really changed the trajectory of a lot of things for me. So about six years ago, I started serving at the Connect team at the time of doing the kids check-in area. So looking for a way to get involved and meet people um, and then still being able to attend church with Charlie. And so I decided to do the kids check-in area. Um, and so yeah, I've been doing that now for about six years. Yeah, that's always been a big part of it for us is being able to still like come to church together, but also be able to serve at the same time. But the, the biggest thing that started us going to church on a consistent basis was was the kids probably you know we went a couple times when we were married without kids um jackson coming along i think just there was something in there it was like you know how you always want your kids life to be better than your life was yeah. Yeah. and so there were two things i always wanted my kids to do better than me and one was i wanted them to have a stronger faith background than me and number two is i wanted them to give back in a more willing way than me uh, because i just wasn't part of my life growing up essentially the thing I've always loved about Stone Creek is you can kind of do as much as you're willing to do. And they let somebody like me that, that, that didn't have this growing up that, that, I mean, I'm at the time I'm, you know, coming into this, I was 40 years old, you know, with no religious background at all. And, and, and now we're, you know, I'm able to like help men to discover that same faith that I'm finding that that's what this was about for me. One of the things I've looked at, I'm a budget guy. Anybody that knows me, I love some spreadsheets. They, they rock, by the way. But, but, uh, but um, that's never a line item I ever have considered taking away or removing, right? Uh, ever since we started making the commitment, we just continued to, as we know we've been blessed, we've been trying to, to kind of extend that blessing back and, and make sure we're doing our fair share to, to kind of weigh in on on the mission of Stone Creek and the mission that God has for this place. I think um, we have seen, you know, so many 
benefits um, that we've experienced personally. So I think why would we not give? Our children go to those kids' environments every Sunday. Um, they've gone to camp the past two summers. You know, and we um, experience so many things here and we get so many things from here um, and our children get so much from here that I, I think, why wouldn't we, you know, that, that we should. Um, and hopefully, um, so, that hope, so that hopefully other people can experience that too and then we can continue to experience um, this place and, and see it grow beyond this. I mean, that's it, right? Like, you, yeah. I'm so glad you said that because yeah. like this place changed my life. Yeah. Right, I mean, I mean, I am on the trajectory I'm on because yeah. this place existed because somebody else was giving yeah. so that I could sit here and hear that message. And she could start crying yeah. and the whole journey could start, <laughs> right? Uh, and I think, why wouldn't you want that for somebody else? Yeah. Hey, let's just celebrate that, come on, let's pay attention. Man, that's amazing. What an incredible, incredible story. Last week was so fun, wasn't it? You enjoy last week? Had a lot of fun if you were here. You know, we launched into this idea beyond, and we really believe that this is just the next step in our journey, that we stand at this crossroads, that even as important as the church launching, that this time period in our history, that God has so much a vision in front of us, that it's super important, and it's just this crossroads for us. And, you know, two years ago, we launched with a new day um, where we believe God gave us a heart transplant, that we just looked at new vision, new values. And one of our values, we only had three, because I can't remember very much, and so we had three, and and one of those was to give my best. We wanted to give my best. And we're, we're a culture, we love to give our best. You know, when I, when I talk to people, one of the things that kind of bubbles up in our community, when we have lunch or we talk, we have a conversation, when I ask questions, one of the things that bubbles up is we want to leave the world better than we got it. Amen right there? Amen right there? Right? We want to leave the world better than we got it. We want to make a difference. We want to do good things. And one of the ways you do that, it's by giving your best. You know, we want to unfold our life for the good of other people. You know, we teach this to our kids, don't we? Anybody want to, you teach your kids to share? Those of you who have kids, you teach them to share? Like, if you don't, like, you're the problem of society right now, aren't you? Right? We teach our kids to share because our natural bent is what? Mine. Mine, mine, mine. And so we teach, because we know the value of giving our best and we want to be that kind of people. We want to be known for what we give, for leaving this world better. And people who leave the world better, they go beyond. They see beyond themselves. They see beyond their location. They see beyond their time. They go beyond. And so we just kind of been unpacking um, this series started last week and going to continue this week. <clears throat> One of the things about beyond how we're defining it is advancing now for generations to come. Let me just tell you this. Listen, there's a generation that's lost to the church. There's a generation that feels forgotten and feels alone and they don't feel like anybody cares for them. And we want to recapture that for the kingdom. Come on, let's go. We want to recapture that for the kingdom. We believe that God is moving us and calling us beyond to do what? Generations to come for the generation that we've lost, but for the ones that are coming after them. Because we so believe in the power of the gospel to change lives and to transform people. And so we want to be that church to recapture it. Now, as we think about advancing now for generations to come. One thing I want to just kind of paint the picture for us is in Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. In Ephesians chapter three, Paul is writing this and he says to him, meaning Jesus, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
that we're that a church is called to reach all generations. That when we began to just build buildings for ourselves and worry about our seat, and our comfort, and our air conditioning, and our planning and our programming, what happens to the church? They die, and there's a generation that gets lost. And Jesus says, "Don't do that. Don't do that." All generations. And so we want to be that kind of church. You know, George Bernard Shaw said there's, there's like a type of people that they look at things that aren't yet and they ask, why not? And that's the kind of people we want to be. We want to be a why not kind of church. Why can't we do that? Why, why wouldn't we go there? Why can't we do that? Like we want to be that kind of church. So that's going to require us to go beyond because God's vision is so big for us. Now, one of the things that can happen is when you launch expanded vision is that, you know, you have your, your current ministry over here, the things that you do now, and then you have your expanded vision. And what can happen is you begin to pay attention to one over the other. Right. You may give to one over the other. You may give time to one over the other. You may give money to one over the other and you get a little confused. So what we want to do is everything we do is called beyond. Right. So everything we do is called beyond what we do now. Currently, if we didn't expand, that's part of beyond. Okay, what we're going to expand to, that's going to be part of beyond. Everything that we do is called beyond. We're just going to give to one thing. And that one thing is going to be beyond. Does that make sense? You follow me? All right, that's cool. So we're going to go beyond. Now, beyond has four components to it, four buckets, as it were. I'm going to hit the highlights of those buckets. I'm going to drill down on one. So as we look at the highlights of beyond, the four components are this, beyond church. We want to accelerate our current vision beyond belief. And I'm going to, I'm going to drill down on that one a little bit here in just a second. The next one we have is beyond now to move beyond barriers into the future. We want to position ourselves to be able to move into the future, to continue to reach this generation and the generations to come. We also believe in beyond here. Listen, we don't want to just be locked in this location. We had the Great Commission. You remember this thing Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples? And so we want to be that kind of church. And if all the world means Sandy Springs or it means Belgium or it means somewhere else, we want to go where God's open doors. And then finally, beyond us. Listen, we want to give beyond what we're ever going to see. We don't ever want this to be about the name Stone Creek or the name Elevate. Like we want it to be about Jesus. And so we're going to give some money away that doesn't necessarily directly benefit us or impact us, but it does impact the kingdom. So we want to be that kind of church. We want, yeah, come on. We want to put our money where our mouth is. And so we're going to give away uh, some of that. Now, now that, that's four components. I'm just, I'm just going to kind of take a few minutes to talk about this idea of beyond church, beyond church. I want us to say this together, beyond church. All right, Beyond Church, I tricked you. You didn't want to do that, did you? And so Beyond Church is just our current ministry budget. You'll notice for 2021, it's our current operating budget that all the things that we do now to see life change, it, this is what part of Beyond is going to be. So the fact that we have a kids pastor right now who is bending down in, into your kids and teaching them face-to-face -face about the power of Jesus to change their life. Man, what, what, what it funds is a student pastor who, will, who could be sitting with possibly one of, your kid, one of your students one day when they're on the edge of faith and kind of bringing them back in. It helps right now to fund someone on our nursery hallway who's maybe holding your baby so you can come in here and have some downtime, okay? Or maybe to hear a transforming message. Like we want, this is all the current ministry that happened. Our kids camp that happens over the summer, summer Camp Arrowhead, a women's event that's coming up, our women's retreat, or maybe Moms Connect, or maybe Men's Mentor. That's all the things that we do now. And that is part of what Beyond covers. But it also is going to cover as we move ministry dollars, we need to increase ministry and staffing dollars for what we currently do. We need to find somebody who can help us engage online to move into the future, to be sure that we are keeping up with what's happening in culture so we can reach people where
where they are living. And 90% of people live online today. Um, not only that, we want our leadership development program to become an accredited ministry program. So you've heard us talk about our leadership development program. And one of the things that um, I experienced when I decided to go into ministry, when I was in my mid to late 20s, I decided to go to ministry. I went to Bible school, basically. I learned a lot about the Bible and I got a lot of information. But what I didn't get was a lot of application. And so I was looking for a place to, we wanted to create a place where um, guys and girls, men and women, I would call them kids because they're old enough to be my kids now, in their mid-20s, early 20s could come and have a place where they can learn application, where they can be part of our team. So when you saw the video, when you came in, when you were here, when the service started and the video that had Bailey Cook on there in our leadership development program, Bailey Cook, rock star, changing the world. She gets to come be part of Stone Creek and gets to be formed and shaped because there's just some things that a seminary or Bible college won't teach you about the messiness of ministry and helping people where they are. And so we want to be able to provide that. We're going to partner with a university to be able to provide. They can provide the academics and the uh, information and we can provide the application for them. So we need to be able to expand that, especially as we expand churches and campuses. We need to have a pipeline of people who can help us in this endeavor. You follow me there? Come on, somebody said that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, we're going to move church beyond Sunday. One of the things that we want to be, how many of you guys listen to podcasts? All right. How, all right. Some of you, how many of you guys have never heard of podcast? No, I'm just kidding. And so podcast is obviously moving content offline. How many of you guys listen to podcast time and a half sometime just to get through it fast? Right. That's how I talk time and a half. Um, and so we want to be able to move content off of Sunday throughout the week. And so we know that people listen online. Maybe there's a way you can redeem your commute. Maybe there's opportunity you have sitting at your desk at home, maybe early in the morning. And we want to be able to push content off of Sunday into the week. And then also we want to launch a full length Stone Creek worship album. Man, I love what God's doing in worship in our church. I love what God's doing in worship in our church. Um, yeah. Love Patrick Casey. Love that he's back. Love that his wife had a baby. He took some time off for that. I don't know what happened. Um, no, man, he's a great dad, a great husband, a great worship pastor. And so we want to be able to take what God's doing in worship here and be able to help other churches with, um, with worship. And so that's what Beyond Church is about. Okay, that's our current ministry. That's the, one of the four components of Beyond. Now, we believe that this is the price tag on this is going to be about $10.25 million. For Beyond, for all four components, it's about $10.25 million. So over the period of two years. Now, just to put this in context, so our current ministry, if we didn't expand, if we just did what I just described, it would be a little over $5 million, okay, over two years, $5 million. And so what we believe is that we believe God wants us to push and to stretch and to be challenged to give twice that amount. Let me, let me say that again. He wants us to double what it is. He wants to take what we already taken and multiply it times two. And so this is the overall goal, the overall uh, budget, the overall idea that we'd have of dollars to come in. But this is not the primary goal. Okay, 10.25, it's really important. It's not the primary goal. The primary goal for beyond, and hear me clearly, is 100% participation. Because there's some of you here who you've got, I, I know this about you, because I'm a pastor. Um, you're like, that's the church talking about money again, right? Some of you are thinking that, and I get that. that that's a reality. 
It's not that we haven't considered it. It's not that we haven't discussed it. Not that we haven't talked about it. I, I get that. You have some church baggage, maybe some, some past hurt, or maybe just some preconceived ideas about church. And so, 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 so there's a couple things about that that are really important for you to know. We, we know that that's a potential, but we also know the blessing of unfolding your life for somebody else. We know the blessing of giving away and you never regret it. We know that. And so what I would say is if there's some questions that you have about a church, I would say, are you giving somewhere else? And if you're not, if you're not, your question's not with me. Your question is with your own heart. Because God wants us to be generous. God wants us to give. God wants us to unfold our lives. Like that's not in question. Your question is more of an internal question for you. And I would just say for you, hey, just get in the journey with us. Just look and see what we do. Look how we act and just see what, man, just look and see what you find. I believe you'll find a people who was sold out to elevating the name of Jesus. We want everybody to participate. It doesn't matter how much. I know that I know there's some people in this room that could give a million dollars. Like I know that. I know there's some people who, can, who, who make it scrape 50 over two years. Listen, I know that. But I also know that if you participate and you participate on the level that God has for you, God is going to bless you to death. Like God is going to do something amazing in your life and you will feel the gratitude of God on your life. And I don't want you to miss that. We don't want anybody to miss that. Now, now a little bit about me. Um, a little bit about kind of my story in giving, you know, Debbie and I are a little uh, different when we approach giving. And so I'm, how many spreadsheet people we have like Charlie in the house, right? I'm, I'm the spreadsheet person. I, the first thing I do is I get out my calculator. And the first thing Debbie does is get spiritual and pray about it. Like, what's that about? I don't know about that. And so we get together and we talk and we process and we have conversations and we dream about what God could do in our own lives. And that's what we've been doing over the last few weeks. Like, what does God want us to do? And I know that God wants to challenge us. God wants us to be generous. God wants us to be able to give and lead the way in whatever he's going to do through beyond. And we're going to do that. And we're going to, and we're going to do that. But we're going to do it together. And we're going to be part of the journey that God has for us. You know, and we don't want you to get we don't want you to miss the blessing of giving you know you always feel better about you when you give have you noticed this you feel better about you have you ever been at lunch with somebody or maybe at work in a conversation and all they do is talk about them you know you're talking to somebody you tell a story but theirs is better you know they have a you have a problem you want to talk to them about it but their problem is darker and requires more time you don't like those people you know how many times you go to lunch with them yeah that's it you want to be the kind of person that unfolds their life for others, that people look at as being generous. That's the kind of people we want to be. And we teach our kids this. I can remember, you know, teaching my kids about tipping at a restaurant, right? How many of you guys ever worked in the restaurant industry? Maybe a, a waiter? Yeah. Like, you know, you know the struggle. The struggle's real. Am I wrong? And so I, I, I got through college waiting tables. That's how I did it. And so I have this particular affinity for people who wait on me at restaurants. And so we would always teach our kids what it meant to tip and how to tip 100% every time. No, I'm joking, but how to always tip because I know the pain of coming back to a table after the people have gotten up and they left you a track with the four spiritual laws with no dollar bills in it. You know what I'm saying? Some of you waiters and waitresses, you know what I'm talking about. And so one, of the, so one time I had my kids and we were, we had gone out to eat. It was a special occasion and we went to Waffle House. And so we're at the Waho and we're, we're eating and we had been going through this whole tipping idea. And so I go up to the cash register and I pay the bill and I do all that. And I can see some commotion at the table. And I'm like, what are these hoodlums doing? Like, what's happening over there? And so as we get to the door and we're walking out, they, they begin to get all excited and tell me what just happened. They had brought all their money and they put it in their pockets and they had left it as a tip on the table. 
And then they told me how much it was. And I thought to myself, self, you pay them way too much allowance is what I thought. And so they left all their money, all their money on the table. And we scramble into the car and they're looking out the back window in the car, looking as the waitress makes her way from the kitchen over to the table to see her expression. And this should be our reaction when we give. We should be giddy with excitement. We should just hope to see somebody's life change. We should hope somebody's excited about it. And this is the kind of people that we want to be. I mean, we wouldn't be the kind of people that we give our best and we live beyond ourselves and we give beyond ourselves to with our time and with our money, with our words, with our attitude, with our effort, with everything that we have so that we can see other people blessed, other people move forward, and other people's lives change. This is what beyond is about. Yeah. So I'm just asking you, don't miss it. Like, don't miss it. Just get in the journey with us. You know, we, we started last week talking about this through the lenses of a guy named Joshua, the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Maybe some of you are familiar with this story that the nation of Israel found themselves in slavery, God's people. Then they find themselves in the wilderness. You ever wonder how they got in the wilderness? I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, man. They got in the wilderness. Nobody wants to be in the wilderness. Maybe you've heard the phrase, I'm just in the wilderness. Maybe you've heard somebody say this. Maybe you felt like I'm just wandering in the wilderness. How do you get there? You don't want to be there, but we'll talk about how not to get there. So they're in the wilderness, but now they're on the brink. They're on the edge of the Jordan River, and they're about to go beyond the Jordan into the promised land. Like the promised land just sounds good, doesn't it? Like, it just sounds like something you want to go into. Now, for the nation of Israel, the promised land was a land that's flowing with milk and honey. That's the, that's the language that's used. But, but for us, while we're not taking physical land flowing with milk and honey, because most of us are lactose intolerant, we are going to, we're looking at the promised land. It's just a place that God's prepared for us. It's a place where God resides. It's a place of blessing for us. I like to think of it in terms of, uh, when I think of the promised land, I think of rest. Wouldn't it be great to just have a time of rest and no more striving, no more working, no more studying and no more going, no more looking, no more worrying, no more anxiety or depression, just a place of rest. And so there's this promised land that we see, this place of rest. Now, we know that ultimately we find the promised land in Jesus, that Jesus is our rest. So this is the journey that we're on. And the nation of Israel finds himself on the edge of the promised land. And as we, I'm gonna get, I want to give a quick overview of the story. Then I want to dive into a few specifics. So Joshua, who's in charge now, Joshua, who took over for Moses, Moses, the Ten Commandment Moses, the part of the Red Sea Moses has died. And Joshua is going to lead them into the promised land. And Joshua sends two spies into the land. Now, there's been a bad experience with some spies, but he sends two spies into the land and they find themselves in the house of a prostitute named Rahab. Now, Rahab is usually the star of this story. If you've ever been around for any Christmas, we know that Rahab was in the lineage of Jesus. She's one of his ancestors. Rahab is held up as a component, as, a, as someone who, who, who is a hero of the faith because of her faith because she hid the two spies. But, but what I want to do today is to talk about the two spies. Like, what about those guys? Who are they? And so that's how we're going to, that's how we'll kind of look at this idea today of, of what it looks like to not be in the wilderness and to be in the promised land. So we're going to be in Joshua. We're going to start out in Joshua chapter two and verse one. I just want to kind of jump in right there. 
So in Joshua chapter two, it says, in Joshua, the son of Nun sent two spies secretly from Shittim as spies. Now, now here's the thing. You got to say that one really carefully or it could be a problem. Just saying. You didn't even notice that until I pointed it out. Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two, two men secretly from Shittim as spies saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So he sends two spies in the land to do some reconnaissance. And, and to go in and to tell them some things about the land. Now, here's the thing about, about this. There was a time period when they sent some spies in the land and it did not go so well for them. There's a period in history when they sent some spies earlier into the land and it went bad. And, and so, so why would you do this again? Now, here's how it went the first time. The first time with Moses, Moses gathered 12 guys together. And he says, I want you to go in. I want you to go view in the land. And they do. And it turned out bad for them. Look right here in Numbers. It says, the men, the spies that Moses had appointed, they had gone up with him, said, we are not able to go up against the people in the land for they are stronger than we are. So they go in, they spy the land, they look and they're like, we can't beat them. They're more talented. They're more well fortified. They have better training. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out. So they brought a bad report. Now they just gone in the land that's flowing with milk and honey. It says this about one particular uh, episode that they cut off a cluster of grapes and it was so big that they had to put it on a pole and the pole was on one guy's shoulder and another guy who was a few feet away and it dragged the ground. I've never seen a cluster of grapes that big. That's what was in the land. Yet they bring a bad report. Why? Bad report of the land they had spied out and they said the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of the Anak, who were from the Nephilim, they're giants. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. Who do we seem like grasshoppers to? Ourselves. Like, keep this in mind. Who are they looking at? Ourselves. Who are they not looking at? God. It says, and so we seem to them. And so this first crew of spies, you know what happens after that? That's how they got in the wilderness. God said, you don't believe me. You don't love me. You don't trust me. 40 years in the wilderness. And the reason it took 40 years is so all of them could die without the promised land, except for two. Except for two. Everybody else did not get to experience the promised land. They missed out. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out. What, what are you missing out on today because you don't trust God? Like, what are you missing out on because you're looking at you? What are you missing out on because you're looking at your circumstances? What are you missing out on? Are you missing out on peace, knowing God's going to take care of you? Are you missing out on purpose because you won't take that step of faith that God's leading you into? Are you missing out on your calling? Are you missing out on joy? Like, what is it that you're missing out on? Listen, let's don't miss out. Let's don't miss out like those spies. Now, the two spies that, of the 12 that didn't rebel against God, one of them, Joshua, gets to lead the people into the land. Another one was a guy named Caleb. And so Caleb, it, it seems, was one of these two spies that Joshua said, hey, Caleb, take, take your friend and y'all go spy out the land. And here's the thing. These spies, the spies, that Joshua, the spies that Joshua sent, they weren't looking for obstacles. 
They weren't looking for how big the people were or how well fortified the cities were. They were looking for opportunities because God had already promised them the land. And God wants us to look at his work in our life, not through the lens of obstacles, but through the lens of opportunities. Let's watch this, how these two spies operated. These two spies, they, Caleb and one other, they went and they came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and they lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. So obviously the king of Jericho knows they're coming to search out the land because they're about to come in and try to take over. So the king of Jericho wants to protect himself. So the king comes to, sends to Rahab and says, bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and she had hidden them. And then she had hidden them actually up on the roof. And it goes on to say in verse eight, it says, before the men lay down on the roof, she came up to them and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. Let's keep this in perspective. The Red Sea had dried up 40 years earlier. 40 years, they were still afraid. The story of God was still prevalent in that culture. They still talked about it. So they talked about the Red Sea. And then she goes on to say, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. There was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now I want you to just pay attention to this last phrase. This is all the intelligence that the spies got. That's all that we know about. We don't have any information that they came back with how many troops Jericho had, how big the walls were, what kind of ammunition. This is all the intelligence that they came back with. And watch their conclusion in verse 24. They said to Joshua, these two spies, the, the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. They knew they were going to win. Why? Because they looked at the opportunities that they had and not the obstacles. You know, there are going to be times in our life when obstacles seem high. And when our opposition seems fierce and our enemies seem well equipped. But God sees that as an opportunity for his glory and our good. We can never forget that wherever you are, whatever you face, whatever obstacle or objection you may have, what is it that God wants to do in the middle of that? I know it's less than ideal, but I also know how big our God is. We have to be opportunity thinkers. We have to look for the opportunities. You know, there's a story I was reading this last week about a guy named Ron Wayne. Ron Wayne, when he was in his early 40s, had a couple of guys that he had befriended. They were in their early 20s and they had this startup company. And so they were, uh, realized their inexperience. They realized they needed some maturity and they realized they needed some wisdom. So they, they hire Ron Wayne to help them. They give, they give Ron part of the company. They give him 10%. So each, each of the two 20-somethings had 45% and Ron got 10%. And so he designed, the, he designed the logo for the new company and they, off they went. And a few weeks in, they realized they were going to need to borrow about $15,000 to purchase some parts to build their product. And so Ron had started a partnership, which meant that if they couldn't pay back the $15,000, they came after them personally. It wasn't a corporation. 
And so Ron didn't want any part of that, especially since he was the only one who had a bank account at the time with two 20-somethings. So Ron goes down to the courthouse. He has the papers redrafted, and they pay Ron $800 for his service, and Ron walks on his way. Well, today, that company that Ron designed the logo for was a company that you've heard of called Apple. And that $800 would be worth $2.5 billion today. See, the actual cost to Ron, there was none. He actually made $800. The opportunity cost, $2.5 billion. And I wonder how many of us, because we're so busy looking at the obstacles, we miss out on the opportunity cost that God has for us. And there's so much opportunity we have to help people. And we should step into that every single chance we get. You know, they'll say that, people say that you regret things you have done in the short term, things you say, mistakes you make. But for the long term, you know what you regret the most? Things you don't do, doors you didn't walk through, opportunities you didn't help. You know, when I was in, when Debbie and I first got married, one of the first thing I did was I bought a car. Anybody ever had buyer's remorse? You know what I'm saying? I bought this car. It was an RX-7. Had that rotary engine, black, went really fast, and I'm scared of speed. Had a really loud stereo. I don't even like it. I don't even like loud music. And so we bought this car, and I had buyer's remorse, and so I sold the car. You know what I've never had, and neither have you? Giver's remorse. We've never had giver's remorse. We've never looked at saying, wish I wouldn't have given that. Can't believe I gave that. Can't believe I helped them. Gosh, I wish they weren't better off because of me. Like we, <laughs> we have never had that happen in our lives. That's not how we live. And when we give, it does something to us. And we feel good. How many of you guys feel good when you give? Like you, and you feel bad about raising your hand, don't you? Because you're not supposed to. The reality is we feel better because we are better because this is what God wants. And when we give, and God smiles on us. This is, God's, this is God's pleasure on our lives. You know, there's so many obstacles that we focus on that we, that we don't give. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it tells us how to move from obstacle thinking to opportunity thinking. Hebrews chapter 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is the key. Faith is the element. Faith is the key to us experiencing opportunities. It's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God. First, believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Like this, that God is real and that God is good. That's how you move from obstacle thinking to opportunity thinking. And I just wonder what obstacles may be in your way right now as you think about giving of your life, giving of your time, giving of your money. Like I wonder, I wonder, what, I wonder what obstacles come into your, into your mind. You may think, I don't have enough. This scarcity thinking. Have you, ever, have you ever looked at a phone call coming in and you thought, I ain't got time for that because you knew it was going to be some effort and energy. But if you did embrace it and engage it, you'd actually change someone's life. Ever have someone maybe ask you for something and you're like, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have it. And the reality is it all belongs to God, that God owns everything. And we need to view our lives that way so we can experience the opportunities to bless other people. You know, you may say, I don't have it. I, you know, what about my mortgage payment? What about my kids going to college? What about, uh, you know, I got a daughter getting married. I got my kids in private school. Or I got this and I got that. And we begin to look at the obstacles and what happens. We miss the opportunity that God has for us to step into the beyond of helping people. You know, one of the things about this place that's crazy to think about is we, when we built this place, the initiative that we launched into was Believe the Unbelievable. And it happened right after something you've heard of, 
right in the middle of 9-11, this place was built. And people gave. Because in 9-11, guess what went down the stock market? Guess what went up? Interest rates. And so we, and now, so this last week, you look back and what happened is, did y'all notice the stock market went down? Did y'all notice this? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And, and here's how you should think about that. Listen, I invested my money in the stock market, it, but it, it went down. I should invest in the church. That's a better return for my investment. <laughs> now, you know better. But the reality is, listen, God's got the stock market. Don't look at the obstacles. Hey, look at the opportunities that we have and look at what God wants to do in our future I believe beyond is a crossroads for us as a church. And we need to move past any obstacles to see the opportunities that God has for us. You know, when I think about beyond life, obviously Jesus comes to mind. You know, Jesus who left heaven and saw beyond heaven to earth so he could move us beyond earth into heaven. That the biggest obstacle that could be faced was death. And Jesus didn't run away from it. He ran towards it and he beat it. Jesus wins. And this is the life that we're called to live, a life beyond. You know, a life the, uh, this, uh, being the 20th anniversary, got a lot of stories emailed and in the mail and told to me. And there's one that I got that, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to share it. Would you like to hear it? You better. No, it's going to be. It's, uh, it, was, it, it just wrecked my heart this week. And I think this is just, I mean, it's a microcosm of our church and what God's doing. And it starts out with, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is not my baptism alongside my would-be husband the same year that we decided that God would be first in our relationship and future marriage. The first thing that comes to mind is not that Stone Creek was the first church staff ever who did not ask me why I wasn't married to my son's father. Can I just read that sentence again? I want to be sure you get that. The first thing that comes to mind is not that Stone Creek was the first church staff ever who did not ask me why I wasn't married to my son's father. The first thing that comes to mind is not how the series and the value of living a yes taught my family what it meant to bravely and boldly serve in little moments. The first thing that comes to mind is not how Stone Creek opened my mind to even the possibility that God speaks to me and guides me personally throughout the day. No. All of those things, although true turning points in my life and my relationship with Jesus are not the first thing that comes to mind when I think about Stone Creek. When I think about Stone Creek Church and what it means to me, the first thing that comes to mind is a Sunday when I realize for the first time that God loves me just as I am and that Jesus' sacrifice and salvation are a gift to me. You taught me through relational, applicable, and challenging messages that all of my efforts to be good enough were worthless without my heart in the right place. That my striving and my knowledge of Bible stories or my reputation were not my identity. One Sunday morning, I truly gave my heart to Jesus for the first time in the 11 o'clock service at Stone Creek Church. I was crying hot tears and I was so embarrassed but I no longer cared who could see me or what they thought. I prayed and I asked Jesus for forgiveness for my striving. I asked him to be the Lord of my life and I made the choice to let go of the guilt from years of never being able to uphold the standard I thought God had sent of me. I accepted his love finally. Through your obedience to the Lord and years of dedication, can you imagine the thousands of lives Jesus has saved? I am only one. 
can you imagine the beyond of eternity? When we all scramble to the back window of that car and we look out the back windshield and we see her. And we see all those lives of people who God have changed because we saw the opportunities and we took them boldly because we believed in a God who would get the glory and who would change people's lives. This is our opportunity to step into the beyond and we're asking you to do it with us. Let's pray together. God, I'm just grateful. So many stories, so much life change. But we know there's new ground to take. And God, that we don't want to be that church um, that just tells stories about what happened so long ago, that but we experience them every single week, that we experience people raising their hand every week, that we see videos every week of the work that you're doing. God, the, the way you're expanding the kingdom through our, our efforts, God. So we just lean into that today. So in this moment, this is what I'd like to do, just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Some of you have never experienced the beyond of what it means to follow Jesus. And so I'd love to lead you in that so that you could experience a life that matters and a life that will leave this world better. And so I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer to follow Jesus. And if you can just repeat the words after me in your own heart, in your own way. Dear God, I believe you sent your son for me. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I trust him for my future, and I commit my life to follow him. The Bible says that if you did that in that moment, that immediately you're a new creation, you have a new story. God's writing a new story of grace in your life. And I want to help you mark that moment. You know, what can happen in moments like that is you, you say something possibly in the emotion, and then you walk away, you don't solidify it. I want you to help you to mark that moment in your life. And the way that we do it here is really simple. As our heads are bowed, I'm just going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you, if you prayed that prayer to follow Jesus for the first time, just to raise your, simply raise your hand, just as a way you to mark the moment. So I'm going to count to three. Just raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, hey, can we just celebrate that real quick? Man, that's amazing. That's so amazing that God continues to do that every week. I'm so blown away. You know, we're going to have a chance to worship. If you raise your hand, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you just to, we have a table in the back as I raise my hand. Just help you take some next steps, give you some materials, put them in your hand. You know, one of the refrains in heaven throughout all of history, one of the words that echoes throughout eternity is this word that we read in Revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it, it says, hallelujah, that we'll sing salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Then it goes on to say, hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. And you know, as we step into opportunities that God has, we just want to sing hallelujah over our lives today. And we want to sing it over any obstacle that we may be facing. We want to sing it over any bad diagnosis that may have come into your life today. We want to say it over any bad, any relationship that may have been destroyed this week that you didn't expect to come. We want to say hallelujah over our financial situation. We want to say hallelujah over our purpose and our calling today as we, as we leave today. So I just want to invite you guys, let's stand together and let's worship God this morning as we just ask Him to lead us in the opportunities that He has given us.